Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. It is October. October 27th, uh, getting close to Halloween here. It is a Tuesday, and we have a very intriguing podcast today. Actually, the team that I kind of think is the most interesting team in the Big Ten, uh, just generally speaking. Obviously, you know, people are going to have uh, their favorite team is always going to be the most interesting. But I, I really do think this team is the most interesting and that's because they're kind of hard to place how they performed last year. Uh, When you combine that with the fact that they have a five-star recruit coming in, they have some of the most well-known players in the big 10. They really become (laughs) an intriguing and interesting team. And uh, without holding it back any longer, uh, talking about the Purdue Boilermakers today, who they made it to the NCAA tournament last year. They ended up, Tied for third in the Big Ten regular season standings. They end up being the fourth seed for the Big Ten tournament. They beat Penn State there. They get knocked out by Wisconsin. As I mentioned, they go to the NCAA tournament. They get knocked out by Cincinnati. But overall, a very surprising year, a very successful year in West Lafayette. And Matt Painter and company will be back this year hoping to build off of that season. But to help uh, us break down uh, Purdue this season, we have Travis uh, Miller from Hammer and Rails, which is our Purdue SB Nation site. Travis, how's it going? How's it going? Uh, going pretty well. And unlike uh, Fox, I think I actually have uh, a connection here. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I had heard about that. I wasn't actually watching the game, but apparently the World Series went out, I guess, in mid-broadcast. Yeah, we were deprived of Joe Buck for about 20 minutes. It was awful, I guess. So. <laughs> Always great. Well, um, I'm I'm happy to have you on, and we're uh, hopefully going to dive in here to the team that I that I think is perhaps the most interesting team in the Big Ten. Uh, not to make a joke about the the beer commercials, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Travis, what what are your general thoughts on Purdue here coming into this season? I think it's uh I think it's going to be a very interesting season. Uh there's obviously a lot of excitement around the program right now with what they have returning in addition to Caleb Swanigan, but you also have uh the new issues of Swanigan is he going to be eligible kind of looming over the program as that broke about 24 hours ago. And I know a lot of people are kind of discounting him with the questions at point guard, but in that, I think they're kind of forgetting that some of Painter's better teams didn't necessarily have a dedicated point guard. They actually did pretty well. Um, the team that I can think of was uh, his first team with the Baby Boilers. They really didn't have a dedicated point guard. They kind of let it fly with uh, Chris Kramer and Keaton Grant, and they ended up going 15-3 and in the Big Ten. So you've got a team that has a lot of talent, a lot of experience, uh, 
the only major question mark is at point guard. And I think it's also a team that has a lot of depth everywhere except at the point. And I think that's going to play some huge dividends and you're going to see a pretty good uh, basketball team, probably the best that has been at Purdue in at least five years. Yeah, it definitely, I I think the major talking point, at least as far as uh, optimists of Purdue go, uh, are all the returns. They return, I I believe, about four starters, uh, a lot of depth options, and A.J. Hammonds, who is a potential dark horse for player of the year. Um, But but with that, with that, why don't we why don't we jump into the team here? Um, and starting with the backcourt, uh, you mentioned there's some point guard concerns. Uh, I believe they brought in a, a Greg transfer uh, in the backcourt this year. But um, what do you expect out of the backcourt? Uh, is it going to be as underwhelming as some are talking? And do you think it's good enough to carry Purdue towards uh, what the the high expectations are this year? Um. Really, the biggest question, as I've said, is at point guard. I think that there's going to be some shooting, and there's some definite better options as shooters than they've had in recent years. Uh, I think of the one year where DJ Bird was basically the only legitimate threat from behind the three-point arc for the entire season, and teams were able to key on that. You've now got Kendall Stevens. You've got Dakota Mathias as another player that got some good experience last season, and you have a freshman coming in from Carmel, Indiana, by the name of Ryan Klein, who is probably the best shooter in the state of Indiana last year. And he's going to be able to come in and hopefully get some open looks because of all the all the attention that's given to the front court. Uh, at point guard, you have Johnny Hill coming in from Texas Arlington, and he is a bit of a mystery. Uh, experienced point guard. He he played for three years. He used to actually play at Illinois State as a freshman. So this is his third college. But there's also the factor of he played at Texas Arlington, and that's a lot different from the Big Ten. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes in and meshes. I don't think it's going to be the home run that John Octius was last year from Colorado State. But at the very least, he's going to provide some experienced depth and at least gives Purdue an option there. And you still have uh, P.J. Thompson at the point as a sophomore who I don't think he played that poorly last year. And he reportedly worked on things in the offseason, really kind of uh, sees that role as the the top returning point guard, saw what was going on. And I think he can provide more of a scoring element. And he reminds me a little bit of Lewis Jackson, both in stature, but maybe with a little bit better of a jump shot. And I think that's something that can be – very effective for for Purdue. He's not afraid to take a shot if it's there. Uh, you mentioned the Cincinnati loss. Uh, he, well, airballed a three-pointer in the overtime, but I think I'm at least going to give him some credit for having a wide-open shot, and he wasn't afraid to take it at least. Yeah, he airballed it, but mm-hmm. the first step is actually being, you know, wanting to take that shot as opposed to looking to pass off when you're wide open. So, you know, there's something there to work with, and I don't think it's going to be as bad as people expect, but it's not going to be, you know, lights out. We totally can rely on these guys with sight unseen. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I, you know, I think there's a there's a lot of options there, at least. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if any of them are, you know, grade A options, but, uh, you know, they they are there, which – 
seems to be a little bit of a, a change from last year. One of the players I did want to talk about for a second, uh, you mentioned him a little bit uh, when you were talking about the backcourt, but uh, was John Octus. Uh, he came in last year, transferred in, really had a great performance, um, but he is he is leaving uh, as he was a senior. Uh, what What is Purdue losing uh, with his departure this year? Um, well, aside from highlight reel dunks and uh, Colin <laughs> Hartman gets to uh, get rid of his, get over his PTSD, uh, you, they're losing a player that had a lot of uh, just it was experience that he brought to the table last year. He was a calm presence. He didn't get rattled when the season started. He was the only player on the entire roster that had NCAA tournament game experience. So I I really felt like he kind of helped that team come together. He was a pretty reliable scorer. He could get to the basket. He could rebound. He could distribute well. And just he was one of those players that wasn't going to take over a game for you, but you were going to get solid plays for him throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the areas that I think, you know, it. Uh, I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here because uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it later on, but one of the big issues Purdue obviously had last year is they weren't exactly an elite three-point shooting team, not the best three-point shooting team. And Octus wasn't the best there, but he was great at getting inside and making plays. And I, I definitely agree. I think losing him is going to be a hit, but um, just just due to the steady uh, production. But but moving on with that uh, in our in our preview here, <laughs> onto the the wings. Um, they do have a few really nice uh, contributors coming back in this area, uh, including Vince Edwards, um, Kendall Stevens. Uh, um, Raphael Davis, I guess, if he plays over there. Uh, what do you expect out of the Wings this year? Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm really curious to see how well Vince Edwards has improved because he's supposedly taken the, quote, next step. And if he is a little bit more reliable with his three-point shot, he's going to be a very, very special player. Um, what I what I like about him, and especially with the addition of Swanigan, is – he played a lot of the four last year and I think you kind of saw where he could be a little bit more athletic uh, and reminded some people of Robbie Hummel, but more athletic and being able to shift him out to the three, something that we never had the luxury of doing with Hummel. uh, That's going to open up Purdue's offense an awful, awful lot because I I always wanted to see what Hummel could have done offensively at the three. He would have been a matchup nightmare for teams. And I think that's what Edwards can be offensively at the three position, especially if a Stevens or a Matthias or a Klein is shooting pretty well from the two, then you get a couple more options on the floor that can shoot that three and turn it into more of an inside out game, especially with Swanigan and Hammonds on the inside to where you still have to respect them. So it becomes, a kind of pick your poison offense. Are you going to give up some open looks to Edwards and Klein and Stevens, or are you going to get beat up inside by Hammonds, Huss and, and Swanigan. And so it's a very nice place to be offensively, especially for a team that went through stretches the last couple of years where it would just struggle to score points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Edwards definitely, uh, at least to me, he kind of seemed like one of the players that, you know, maybe if he played for another team, he would have gotten a lot more attention. I don't know if that's fair or not, but um, but really came on last year, and I thought he was one of the better freshmen in the Big Ten. Uh, do, you, do you agree? Do you think he was kind of underrated nationally? I think so a little bit. I know that 
some of these preseason top 100 lists have had him kind of at the bottom this year, and that's a pretty good testament on a team with Hammonds, Davis, Swanigan, and everybody else. And in that Cincinnati game, he played a fantastic game. He had a near triple-double, if I recall, and just, you know, he's he's the one that kind of kept us in that game, and, you know, it was a game that, honestly, Purdue should have won. When you're up 45, when you're up seven points with 45 seconds to go, you should win. Uh, mm-hmm. 99% of the time you do win, and it was kind of a perfect storm of what fell apart. Uh, I'm bringing up his box score here from that game. Yeah, he had 14 points, eight rebounds, and seven assists. So you have a freshman mm-hmm. nearly give you a triple-double in an NCAA tournament game. That's pretty impressive and uh getting him back this year and seeing what he can do with another year of experience has a lot of Purdue fans excited yeah yeah it's going to be very interesting to see how he plays and I I definitely think he could be one of those uh key players to see how how Purdue performs but but moving on uh once again uh in our in our preview here uh to the front court where uh as I joked to someone else earlier this week, it seems like Purdue has like 57 footers up there. Um, so how good is this front court? Is, is it the country's best? I mean, they have a lot of proven depth. They're adding Swan again. Uh, what do you see out of the front court this year? Uh, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get Taco Fall. That way we could go seven, seven foot two and seven foot five <laughs> across the front if we really wanted to. <laughs> but uh yeah, you're you're looking at one of the best front courts in the nation. Any time that you can take Hammonds, a guy that is a possible first round NBA pick, and you know possible Big Ten Player of the Year candidate, and when he goes to the bench, you replace him with a guy that's even bigger and stronger and is a pretty good player in his own right. And Isaac Haas and is you know got some real has a real chance of blossoming into an NBA player himself. That's an embarrassment of riches, and then you get one of the best power forwards in the high school recruiting class for the year, and you also have a guy in Jaquiel Taylor coming off the bench uh, who redshirted last year due to injury, and Matt Painter's been very, very high on him under the if he can stay healthy. Uh, he has a lot of he has a lot of talent, and he could be a very special player in his own right if he can stay healthy. So you have four players right there that can play some pretty big minutes can obviously defend the rim can maybe stretch the floor for you a little bit because Taylor, you know, very, very limited sample size last year before he shut it down due to injury, but he showed that he has a bit of a jump shot. He was able to hit at least one three pointer and I think five games that he played in and, you know, he's a bit of a mystery, but it's, it's a good mystery and it'll be interesting to see what he what he can contribute, then you still have a player like Basil Smotherman. You want to play a little bit of small ball, a stretch four maybe, a guy that can be athletic, run the floor, defend, rebound, give you the oh wow play of just an incredible dunk out of nowhere. If Smotherman doesn't redshirt, as some are talking about, he could be that guy you just plug in and he can be a little bit of an energizer bunny for you for a five minute quick boost and he can play either the three or the four. And so I'm excited to see what he can do. And I really hope he doesn't redshirt just because I want him available if Purdue needs him to be available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes sense. And, uh, you know, I, as I think we both talked about, this is a very, very talented group. Um, and, and as we kind of move on, uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, we've talked about almost all of them, I believe, 
but uh, just just as a kind of refresher to uh, to those who may not be familiar or follow recruiting that much, uh, Purdue is adding a few new recruits um, and a grad, I believe, one grad transfer. Um, but uh, can you talk a little bit about Purdue's recruiting class coming in, who to watch, uh, who to keep an eye out for, and uh, I guess what to expect short-term and long-term out of this group? Sure. Um, technically, we got three freshmen, and then, as you mentioned, the grad transfer. Um, the grad transfer is Johnny Hill from Texas Arlington. He originally started his career, I believe, at Illinois State, played some uh, pretty good basketball there for – about a year, and then he ended up at Texas Arlington. I'm not sure exactly what his circumstances were to get there, uh, but he's a 6'3", 180-pound point guard, brings some experience, and hopefully can uh, be an answer at the point guard position for Purdue. Averaged about 10 points and three and a half assists a game last year. Uh, then your three-man freshman class, you have Ryan Klein from Carmel, Indiana, he is a very solid basketball player. I've actually seen him play a lot in person. Excellent shooter, can also score off the dribble. He may actually play a little bit of point guard too, uh, if needed for Purdue. He's just a solid, solid kid, very fundamentally sound, was the runner-up for Mr. Basketball to Swanigan, and he played for one of the most successful teams in the state of Indiana over the last four years. His freshman and sophomore years, they won the uh, – large class state championship in Indiana. And then his junior and senior years, they were ranked number one for a good portion of the year. And I think in all four years, he lost less than 10 games uh, for his high school team. So that's pretty good, pretty good company. Wow. And as a sophomore, he, uh, I believe he had like 14, 15 points in the state championship game for a team that was very senior dominated. So uh, he brings some experience. He brings some championship experience. He knows how to play under pressure and, I think he'll be just fine. And then uh, you also have another player from just up the road from Klein. Uh, his name's Grant Weatherford. And some people have compared him to a bit of a younger Chris Kramer, honestly. He's another kid that I saw play quite a bit in high school because I'm a newspaper writer, so I get to see some of these kids in central Indiana a bit. And yeah. he's a hard-nosed defender, played football because he went to one of the smaller schools in Indiana kind of a underrated recruit, but was pretty solid on the AAU circuit last summer. And he's, you know, he brings hard nosed defense. Uh, one of those kids that just loves defense. Uh, the one time that I saw him last season, I've been watching Indiana high school basketball for 30 years and seen probably well over a thousand games. I had never seen a kid with 10 steals in a high school game before last year when he had it. So Wow. That was pretty impressive. I don't think he's going to play a ton this year, but you never know, especially when Purdue relies so much on defense and takes pride in defense. And then the last member of that recruiting class, of course, uh, Caleb Swanigan. Uh, what else can you say? Top-rated recruit that Painter's ever had, the first Indiana Mr. Basketball that they've had since some guy named Glenn Robinson uh, <laughs> about 25 <laughs> years ago. Uh, just uh, – it looks like in the preseason scrimmages here, he's going to be the perfect fit for Purdue's offense. Uh, looks like they're going to be able to plug him in at the four. It's going to open up things for Hammonds and Haas in the middle. And he just brings so much to the table. And he looks like everything uh, that Purdue's been talked about him at. He looks as good, if not better, than advertised so far in some of the early season scrimmages and everything. And I hope the NCAA thing gets cleared up because – Purdue fans have been waiting for a very long time to see a player of his caliber, 
and a potential one and done guy. And it sounds like he could do some very, very special things for Purdue and just really open things up overall. And as, as long as he continues to fit with this team and mesh with them as well as he's meshing so far. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask about, um, you know, there's been a lot of at least skepticism by some, I know I'm a little skeptical of certain parts of Purdue this year. So I, I did want to ask these questions, you know, get a Purdue guy to respond to at least, uh, you know, show both sides of the coin for uh BTP. Uh, readers slash listeners, I guess. <laughs> um, and one of the big things that you hear all the time is that, uh, you know, maybe Swanigan isn't the best fit. I mean, obviously they have Ham- uh, Hammond, they have Haas up front. You know, he, some people have him as a center and not a power forward. Uh, first off, is that true? Do you believe it? And uh, how, how is he going to fit in? I know you've talked about it a little bit, but uh what, how, what do you uh, respond, I guess, to the, the fit concerns? I have no concerns whatsoever about him fitting in. I think he's the perfect player right now because he didn't want to be a center. Uh, a lot of it was made during his recruiting that he didn't want to play center. He wanted to play four because he knew uh, going to the NBA, he was more likely going to be a four than a five. And mm-hmm. so what better place to go if you want to play the four than somewhere that has a seven-foot guy and a seven-foot t- seven foot two guy in the middle where you'll never have to play center unless absolutely necessary. And, you know, think of some of the fun things that Purdue could do if they wanted to play small ball and put him at center. Uh, You know, he bring, he allows Purdue to have that versatility to where you don't have to have a lumbering Hammonds or a lumbering house in at, at the same time, you could put him at the five, maybe uh, Smotherman at the four Davis at the three uh, or no, they, not Davis at the three or Edwards at the three and then have a couple of shooters out there and you can run teams off the floor if you feel like it. So I think he's going to fit in just fine. He's his footwork is excellent for a big man. He's known to be a very good passer out of the post and that can, that can definitely help produce shooters and he doesn't have to do all the quote big guy stuff because he's got Hammonds and Haas right behind him. He can, kind of worked and played to his strengths and not have to just be a physically dominant center, which is, you know, something very nice for him. So those people that don't think he's going to fit in, they honestly have no idea what the hell they're talking about. He he could be walking into a better situation in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely wanted to get, get your response on that. And and one of the other, I guess, concerns or uh, skepticism, uh, or pieces of skepticism about about Purdue is is the shooting. Um, as I mentioned, you know, not not exactly the best shooting team last year. I think they they finished 238 in three point percentage, uh, 270th in percentage of points off of three pointers. Um, now, if they're putting Swan again at the four, you know, some people are concerned that you know that may hurt the spacing, uh, may get clogged up inside. Uh, what, what is your response to that? Do you buy into it? Does it even matter? I mean, obviously Purdue made the tournament last year and had those uh, shooting numbers. Uh, it is a concern, and it, it has been for some time. And I think my biggest concern is is Purdue definitely has uh, three quote-unquote shooters now in Matthias, Stevens, and Klein. But can you play all three of them at the same time? Can you even play two of them at the same time? And – I think a lot of it really depends on how much uh, Edwards develops as a shooter, because I think if he develops a more reliable three-point shot, 
that's definitely going to open things up because then you will have two guys that you have to defend out on the perimeter. And because you would have to defend two guys out on the perimeter, you know, that opens things up to where you don't have to clog things down on Hammonds and Haas and Swanigan. Swanigan, he can shoot the three a little bit. He did some in high school, but I know that's not one of his strengths. And I would like to see a player like Rafael Davis did come on last year and he started shooting a little bit better from long range. So maybe that's another area that can, that he can contribute. And, you know, one of the bigger things and concerns that I've had um, in regards to that is Davis. He's the big Ten's defensive player of the year last year, excellent defender. What does he do on offense? Unfortunately, Uh, is he more of a liability? Does he really, you know, is he going to attack the rim? Is he going to be a shooter? Kind of what is he going to do within that offense to be a contributor and, you know, make having him on the floor defensively worth it to have him on the floor offensively because you have to take someone off who might be a little bit better offensively. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there is a concern with some of the shooting. I think it's getting addressed. I think Klein's going to be a good shooter. I think Matthias has got some promise and Matthias could also slide over and possibly play the point as well if needed uh, because they've been doing that a little bit here in the scrimmages. And uh, you have Kendall Stevens is finally healthy. And so that should, that should help. Um, They're going to be guys that I think if they can get some good looks, kind of like uh, DJ Bird was a much better shooter um, when he didn't have to carry the offense. When he had Etwan Moore and Juwan Johnson on the floor, it opened things up a lot more for him. And the same was true for Ryan Smith. So, you know, I think it depends on how much those bigs can contribute up front and how they open up things to where, you know, the shooters do get better looks. They're not contested looks, but they're getting more open looks so they can knock those down. I think Purdue has had a lot of very contested looks because they've had so few options as shooters. And if that opens things up this year to where they're not as contested, I think that those shooting percentages should go up and Purdue should look better. But you're right. It is a concern. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I only have one more. I promise it's my last, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> tough question here. But um, like I said, there are there are a lot of mixed feelings. And like I said, I, I have some skepticism myself. So I, I definitely want to get these out there at least. Um, the last one is obviously I think the biggest thing Purdue has going for it is the returners. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure they're right up there with all the top Big Ten teams in terms of returning contributions. You know, four starters back. Most of the bench guys are back. Pretty much outside of Octius, everybody significant is back. But there are concerns about how good was Purdue last year. Obviously, they finished high in the Big Ten regular season standings, but they end up as, I want to say, a nine seed in the tournament. Um, They weren't a bubble team, but they were above that. Um, I guess without going too long, uh, you know, what, what what are these returners bringing in the sense that are they returning a top-end Big Ten team, or is it closer to a bubble team? Uh, what is your opinion on that? I, I know you know there were concerns over maybe the schedule was a little easy for them in Big Ten play. Uh, sorry, this is a lot of stuff, but That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm just curious to your thoughts because you know the concept is that they're building off what they were last year, but there are kind of some mixed thoughts on what Purdue exactly was last year. So, what what is your kind of view of how what Purdue was last year? I guess. I think Purdue was a team that got a lot better once they got into Big Ten play because you look at what they 
did in the non-conference play last year and they had home losses to North Florida and Gardner Webb and these weren't games where North Florida and Gardner Webb played out of their minds no Purdue was flat out awful in both of those games uh, and then, you know, some pretty non-competitive losses to Butler, to Vanderbilt, or no, not Butler, but Notre Dame, to Vanderbilt, and Kansas State out in Maui. You know, none of those five non-conference losses, the only one that you could qualify really as a good loss was Notre Dame. So, you know, this was a team that was nowhere near the tournament uh, when Big Ten play started. And then for whatever reason – they just turned it on. And there was really a moment in that first big 10 game. They're losing to Minnesota at home by, I think eight somewhere in the second half. And it looked like it was going to be another, another game that they let slip away. And then Kendall Stevens hits a couple of threes and that kind of spurred the team on. And it ended up really saving the season because they come back, they win that game. They start well in big 10 play and they're able to keep it going to where, you know, they worked their way back into the NCAA tournament and they were playing their best basketball when it mattered the most. So I think I think that experience is going to help them. Um, I'm hoping that there's not another slip up like a North Florida or a Gardner Webb. But I know one of the things that Coach Painter mentioned in both of those games was not paring down his rotation and he was trying to play too many players. So you may see him try to avoid that this year by you know, going to his seven, eight, nine man rotation a little bit earlier rather than, you know, playing everybody in those early games and then seeing how it works out from there. So, you know, it was good to see Purdue pull it together, especially after a couple of very down years. And it looked like it was going to be a third straight down year. Um, Good to see Purdue do that in Big Ten play. And they still had some pretty good wins in there. They only lost one game at home. And that was against Maryland. And what's one of the things you want to do if you want to contend for a Big Ten title? You want to defend your home court. So going 8-1 and one in Mackey Arena was a very good step towards that. And I think it's a reasonable goal this year. And then they still were very competitive on the road. They were competitive at Michigan State. They were competitive in a game at Ohio State, I think it was. Uh, they ended up winning at Indiana, which uh, that was unexpected, but it was a very big win for the program to go down to Bloomington and win on your rival's home floor and sweep that series. So I think it's a team that plays with some confidence, and they're not going to be afraid to go and play on the road. The Big Ten itself is going to be as tough as it ever was, where almost anybody can beat anybody else on any given night. I mean, when you have – Rutgers was god awful last year and beat <laughs> Wisconsin who pretty much crushed everyone else's heads throughout the Big 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything can happen. So, um I think you're going to see a team that they're going to play up to their ranking. They might uh be able to crack into that top 16 and get a uh, hopefully get a top 4 seed where they can make it or be favored, I should say, to make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament and then We'll see what happens from there. Uh, I I think they can contend for the Big Ten. I think there's some teams like Maryland and Michigan State that are probably better than Purdue, and I would give them the edge of winning the Big Ten. But it comes down to who you play and sometimes when you play them. And Purdue gets Michigan State, and their only game against them is in Mackey Arena, and they get two games against Maryland. And the way I view that is, okay, you have two games that you can control in chasing Maryland down. So – We'll see what happens. I th- I'm I'm excited to see what's going to happen this year. It's nice to be able to go in and say, 
I don't think this is a bubble team. I think they're a solid NCAA team. And so now we can play for something a little bit bigger rather than, okay, gee, I hope we make the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you know, speaking of you, you already kind of jumped into my next, my next question here, but, uh, <laughs> um, the, the schedule, uh, you know, as you said, we, we kind of know what to expect out of Big Ten play. I mean, most of the teams are, you know, obviously playing each other, and uh, the Big Ten is just going to be stacked. I mean, almost every night, yeah. you know, it's gonna, as you said, it's going to be a it's going to be a challenge. But Purdue does have a pretty interesting non-conference schedule this year. Uh, you know, they have a potential matchup with Florida. They get Pittsburgh in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They get New Mexico, Butler, Vanderbilt. Um, First, what do you expect out of conference play? Uh, what I don't know if uh, you want to put a record on it, but you know what what games should fans watch out for? Um, and I guess uh, anything, any other thoughts on non-conference play for Purdue this year? A lot of the national people are saying it's a weak schedule, and I have no idea why they're saying that. Um, it's like I'm sorry that we yeah, didn't schedule <laughs> Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke in back-to-back games, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> You know, like you mentioned, we've got a game at Pittsburgh, which is the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's, you know, a free marquee conference game, and it's a true road game. You've got Vanderbilt coming to Mackey Arena. Vanderbilt's a top 25 team uh, mm-hmm. on many of these polls. You've got a neutral site game in Indianapolis with Butler. They're a top 25 team in many polls. Uh, and then you have some other games that, you know, might be a little bit tougher than than it looks. You have Old Dominion. Well, Old Dominion was – kind of a bubble team last year they were hovering right there at the end of the season you have as you said a potential game with florida and that's another major conference foe you've got new mexico who's always a respectable team they're coming to Mackey arena i mean even the second game against a program like vermont yeah that's a low major team that purdue should probably beat but vermont is perennially in the ncaa tournament they know what it takes to get there they know they know the only reason they're going the only only way they will go to the NCAA tournament is by winning their conference. But, you know, you look at a team like Vermont, that's somebody you could end up playing the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And those Mm -hmm. kinds of upsets always happen, especially in games where you may not be up to speed yet. So I think, you know, I'm I'm not saying Purdue's going to lose to Vermont or anything, but it's a game you just be like, okay, let's make sure you're fully awake for this one because, I mean, they're a team that could come in and pull off an upset because they've done it before in the NCAA tournament and they, you know, they're good enough to win that conference and be there in March. So, um, you know, it's a decent schedule. It's got plenty of games that um, Purdue should win by quite a bit. And then the, you talk about another team like Vermont, Purdue plays Lehigh. Well, two years ago, Lehigh upset Duke in the uh, first round. So, you know, I don't think there's a lot of teams that you can take lightly, and I think it'll provide some decent tests for Purdue. But I, I also think that, you know, a realistic record of, say, you know, 11-2 and two or 12-1 and one coming into the Big Ten is uh, something that you could expect from this team uh, just based on the experience they have and what's returning. And, you know, it would be nice to kind of be 11-0 and 0 going into that Butler-Vanderbilt uh two game stretch and uh, at least split between those two teams and get a nice win there. So. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement. I I don't understand, you know, it it seems like unless you have a massive name on your schedule that for some reason, people think you always have a weak schedule. It it just makes no sense to me. Um, But uh, 
you know, especially, you know, when you're talking about uh, teams like Butler and Vanderbilt and Pittsburgh, I mean, these are perennial NCAA tournament teams that are usually pretty good and projected to be pretty good this year. Um, but that point aside, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun conference schedule. A lot of, a lot of big games, uh, but but moving on uh, to one of the more uh, fun questions that I've been asking on these uh, these preview podcasts, uh, what, what's something that you, you are kind of expecting to surprise about Purdue this year? Um, I know some people have talked about maybe a player that'll surprise, maybe an upset win or something like that. Uh, but what, what's something that you, you expect to be a surprise for Purdue this year? I think fans are going to be uh, both Purdue fans and outside the outside of the Purdue community. I think they're going to be very surprised by Ryan Klein. He is a very very good shooter. Uh, I've seen this kid play for three years now, and last year he was you know he instead of being a supporting guy on a team that was loaded, he was kind of the guy on a team that wasn't nearly as good as one that had won the state championship two years prior and they still had a very nice tournament run until they were knocked off by Caleb Swanigan in the, uh, in the uh, regional. So it, uh, I think he's going to be a player. He's played a lot of games in front of big crowds because what, you know, what state does, has better high school basketball than Indiana? No state. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> just a fact. <laughs> and if uh, you think otherwise, you're wrong. So, um, <laughs> you know, he's played in front of big crowds. He's, you know, been to Banker's Life Fieldhouse, won state championships for him. They went 23-3 and last year, and they were 21-2 and the year before with him as the top guy on the team. So he's also played against some of the top competition. He's played against Swanigan. He's played against Gary Harris. He's played against Zach Irvin. You know, a lot of these big names that are playing in the Big Ten, he's already faced. So he's not going to be afraid to go against them. And I think he's going to come in and uh, he's going to be able to contribute right away. He's going to be able to knock down some shots. He's going to get some open looks. And teams will have to pay attention to him because they're not going to be able to just sleep on him and be like, oh, he's a freshman and we don't know anything about him. No, the minute you do that, he's going to knock down two or three threes and you know, be at the other end of the floor waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting to to check out. I know obviously he's not getting a, a ton of a discussion uh, nationally. So that'd be a big surprise if he can come off the bench and, and contribute this year. Uh, but with that, why don't we jump into the, uh, the meat of the podcast here, the part everybody waits for uh, season predictions. Um what what do you expect out of Purdue? Um, you know, you mentioned them going back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, what do you expect in terms of postseason? Uh, how far will they go? Uh, where do they fit into the Big Ten? Um, what's your prediction for Purdue? Um, I think this is a team that can get that double buy with a uh, top four conference finish again. They did it last year, and that was – I think that was a major overachievement, especially after the way they finished the non-conference season. I don't think anybody saw them going 13-5 and in the Big Ten and uh, getting to the NCAA tournament. And I think that experience is going to be pretty big for them. Uh, and as you mentioned, the schedule sometimes says a lot about how well a team is going to perform. And, you know, who do you play twice? Who do you play once? Who do you play once only on the road? Um They've got some games that 
you know, they should be favored in on the road, but they've got some very tough road games. I mean, you think they're going to, you would think that they're going to win at Nebraska. You think they're going to win at uh, Rutgers in early January, but then they've got some tough games at Wisconsin, at Maryland, at Michigan's going to be tough. At Indiana, you never you never automatically think you're going to win at Indiana, regardless of uh, how much uh, uh, Tom Crean's terrified of AJ Hammonds. But uh, <laughs> but it's going to be it's going to be a tough slate. And but I think that this is a team they can uh, top four conference finish is realistic. Maybe challenge for the Big Ten crown uh, would be nice to be there going into the last week of the season. And then hopefully the NCAA tournament, I'd like to see him get out of that first weekend for the first time in a while, uh, get a couple of wins, get into the sweet 16. And, you know, I would be pretty satisfied with that for this group. Um, obviously reaching a final four would be phenomenal and everything else. But uh, I I know how badly Purdue struggles in March in the NCAA tournament and how many teams should have gone to the final four, but didn't. So uh that has kind of taught me to not predict that they will make it out uh, out of a regional and make it to the final four. You can hope for it. It would be really nice to break through finally and do that. But uh, this is a team that could do that with the right matchups, but you just got to get there and see what kind of draw you have. And uh, they're going to be there in the NCAA tournament. I'd be shocked if they missed it. And uh, we'll just see what happens after that. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely concur. Um, personally, I I think this is definitely an NCAA tournament team. I you know even with some of the potential issues in terms of you know spacing or uh, the backcourt, it, it just seems like they have with so much talent, especially in that front court. It, it they just have to make the tournament. I mean, it would just be shocking if they didn't at least qualify. Um, Having said that, though, I, I am a little lower on Purdue, um, unfortunately, as I'm sure you do not want to hear. But uh, um, <laughs> I I have them uh, around six. I mean, obviously, it's it's all preseason projections, so I'll probably be wrong in a couple weeks, and you know, Purdue fans will let me have it. But uh, <laughs> um, I I have them around six. I'm a little concerned, you know, as I mentioned with you know some of the spacing. Uh, you know, as as you said, you know, maybe maybe Swanigan is a is a great fit at that four spot. Um, I'm interested to see how his skill set uh, translates over to maybe that crowded front court. But um, I have them. I, I believe I have them with behind Wisconsin, um, ahead of Ohio State, Iowa. But um, yeah, I, I and one of the other things too, and, and one of the reasons I wanted to ask too is, uh, you know, I thought they overachieved a tad in Big Ten play last year, which may be has expectations a little too high this year, I should say. But, um, but yeah, I, I still think it's a good team. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they were right in the top of the Big Ten. Um, but for me, I, I do have them a little lower. But, uh, but with that, uh, Travis, thanks for joining us. Um, any final thoughts on Purdue here before we let you go? The, the Big Ten, uh, college basketball in general? I know one thing that we haven't really even talked about is, uh, you know, Purdue's defense. And mm-hmm. that that seems amazing when you consider the <laughs> emphasis that Purdue plays puts on defense. And last year they were much much better defensively than they had been in the previous two seasons. And I think that uh, helped spur their renaissance, if you will, during Big Ten play. And they were able to force a ton of shot clock violations. And suddenly the shot clock is thirty se- or is five seconds shorter this year. So uh, 
You know, mm-hmm. I have absolutely no problem dragging teams into a rock fight and uh, holding them to 45 points uh, <laughs> as long as Purdue scores 46. You know, if we've got to drag a team into the deep end and hold them down until the bubble stop, then uh, you know what? As long as we win the game, it doesn't bother me. That looks pretty. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that'll be a, that'll be one. an interesting <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll be an interesting thing though. I'm I'm interested because it seems like everybody has a theory on what's going to be helped and what's going to be hurt with this uh the new shot clock rules and the new uh the circle under the hoop uh rules, but um but yeah, that that'll be interesting to watch. I think Purdue's going to be a very interesting team overall, but uh but Travis, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks. Um, and again, for uh, for everybody, that was Travis Miller from Hammer and Rails. That's the SB Nation Purdue site. They do a lot of great work, whether it's Purdue basketball, whether it's football, whether it's you know various other sports. I believe they had some some baseball stuff, but definitely check them out if you're a Purdue fan or or if you're just interested in what's going on with Purdue in general or their athletics. Definitely worth a, a read over there, but. But with that, that, that's our podcast uh, for tonight um, on Purdue. I, like I said, I have, them, I have them at sixth. I think I'm a little lower than most people generally, whether nationally or, or uh, Travis, you know, more of a Purdue background. But, but I do think it's going to be a good team. I think it's going to be a national relevant team. I just have them a little bit lower than, than a couple of those other Big Ten teams. But but with that, I'm Thomas Bendit, the BT Powerhouse Manager. You can follow me at, on Twitter at tbendit, T-B-E-I-N-D-I-T. And definitely check out all our preview stuff on BT Powerhouse. The team previews are in full swing. And we look forward to having, hearing you, uh, uh, having you all here next time. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.